This morning we're going to be looking at John chapter 19 verses 1 through to 16. Jesus beaten and led away to be crucified. The Lord Jesus Christ had been bound and led to the residence of the the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. No charges were read out. There weren't any charges. All that the chief priests had was the testimony of a couple of false witnesses who claimed that Jesus said that he would destroy the Jewish temple. That would have been not a matter for Pilate, but for the Jewish authorities. Also, Jesus had affirmed to the high priest, Caiaphas, that he is the Son of God. Again, a charge of blasphemy would have been of no interest to a pagan Roman governor. Pilate wasn't fooled by the Jewish council. According to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 18, Pilate knew that they had handed him over because of envy. Since the Jewish authorities had no power to execute people, they simply wanted Pilate to crucify Jesus without asking any questions. However, things did not go according to plan, so they accused Jesus of opposing the Roman Emperor and the occupation, the Roman occupation by falsely claiming that they found him perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ the King. It was all a pack of lies. Pilate questioned Jesus concerning him being a king and Jesus made it very clear that his kingdom is not of this world. In chapter 18, verse 38, Pilate said, I find in him no fault at all. And as was the custom, he offered a choice of two prisoners to be released to them. They could choose one of two prisoners. They could have had Barabbas, who was a murderer and a robber, Or Jesus, who was completely innocent? Who did they choose to have released? They chose Barabbas, the murderer and the robber. Today we shall see a passage of scripture that records details of Jesus being mocked and being led away to be crucified. Let's have a look at chapter 19, John's Gospel, verse 1. Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. Even though verse 1 is very short, it deserves much more than a cursory glance. What can be seen here is that Pilate gave orders for Jesus to be scourged. What followed was that Jesus would have been secured hand and foot in a convenient position for the Roman soldiers to scourge him with whips that probably had several leather lashes with pieces of lead or lumps of bone fastened to the end of each lash. The skin and the flesh on the back of the incarnate Son of God would have most likely been torn to the bones. 
Pilate ordered this. Suffice to say that the violence that was inflicted upon the body of the Saviour and the severity of the injuries would probably have accounted for why Simon of Cyrene was made to bear the Lord's cross as is recorded in the other Gospel accounts. Even before the first nail was hammered through the Lord Jesus Christ, his physical strength would have been drained from him. The mental and spiritual anguish that the sinless Son of God experienced as he drank the cup of sin of all the elect of God would have been intense. Way beyond what we can imagine in our sinful minds. But also the physical suffering experienced by him when he was nailed to the cross and even before in the judgment hall of Pilate, that physical suffering was very real and it cannot be overlooked. Let's have a look at verses 2 and 3. And the soldiers plaited a crown of thorns and put it on his head and they put on him a purple robe and said, Hail, King of the Jews! And they smote him with their hands. As well as being scourged by the Roman soldiers, Jesus was brutally ridiculed by them as they paid mock homage to him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! For example, Roman emperors used to wear laurel wreaths on their heads, and so it was that Jesus had a crown of thorns placed upon his head by the soldiers. In the Garden of Gethsemane, his sweat had been, as it were, great drops of blood falling to the ground. We're told that in Luke's Gospel. However, the flow of Emmanuel's blood would have been multiplied by the violence that was inflicted upon him, such as the scourging of his back and the thorns that were pressed upon his head. Additionally, in Mark chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, it is written, they began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews! Then they struck him on the head with a reed, or a rod. They struck Jesus on the head and spat on him and bowing the knee, they worshipped him. Mock homage. Let's have a look at verses 4 and 5. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. This verse is very revealing in that it gives us an insight not just into the weakness of Pilate. He was a weak man. He was a coward. He was scared of the Jews, the baying crowds there. There was a multitude there. And although he was the Roman governor and he was particularly cruel, he was nevertheless scared. But it doesn't just show his weakness. It shows the wickedness of Pilate. Something that may be overlooked by people. 
Pilate was a very wicked man. For example, clearly those soldiers were not acting alone when they had their fun with Jesus. Their boss, the Roman governor, who, as we've already seen in verse 1, ordered the scourging of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was right there with them. Therefore, even though Pilate found no fault in Jesus, he nevertheless authorised and witnessed the scourging, the scourging, the mockery and the beating of the Lord Jesus Christ. With Jesus beaten, scourged and still wearing a crown of thorns and a purple robe, Pilate presented him to the Jews, saying to them, Behold the man. In other words, he said, Here's the one who you claim is making himself a king. We'll see more of this. What I'm getting to you here is that although Pilate was afraid of the Jews, he hated them. And he, what he was doing here, and in other places, was taunting them. That was the most he could dare do, taunt the Jews. Presenting Jesus, behold the man, here's the one you claim is making himself a king. Verse 6. When the chief priests, therefore, and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. When the chief priests and the multitude cried out, Crucify him, crucify him, Pilate simply said to them, Take ye him, and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. That was the third time in the Apostle John's account of uh, these events that Pilate declared that he found no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ. Since that was his verdict, surely he should have released Jesus. But he didn't. If a judge finds no fault with someone, they release them. You would have thought so anyway. Instead, Pilate said to the Jews, Take him and crucify him. And don't imagine that Pilate was giving authority to the Jews to execute Jesus themselves. If it was, if it was Pilate giving them authority, they would have jumped at it. They would have gladly obliged and that would have been the end of the matter. Even though he didn't have the courage to release Jesus, he was nevertheless taunting the Jews whom he hated. And again, that is as much as he dared to do. Crucify him yourself, knowing full well that they didn't have the authority to do that. Finally, the Jews came clean and told Pilate what crime Jesus had committed. He made himself the Son of God. Until verse 7, the Jews had not told Pilate that Jesus had affirmed to Caiaphas, the high priest, that he is the Son of God. They kept that quiet because it wouldn't have been of any interest to him. Instead, they had come out with a pack of lies, but clearly it was to no avail. Reading between the lines a bit, can you see how God controlled and guided events so that Jesus would be condemned to death by the Jews 
not on some trumped up charge, but on a matter of truth, his divine sonship. Ultimately, the Jews condemned the Son of God because he affirmed that he is the Son of God. Verses 8 and 9. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he was the more afraid. And went again into the judgment hall, and saith unto Jesus, Whence art thou? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate had already shown himself to be afraid of the Jews. And of the multitude, not just the chief priests and the Sanhedrin, the Jewish council, but the multitude there. He was shown himself to be afraid of those people who were baying for Jesus to be crucified. But now he was even more afraid. The Jews had just said to Pilate that Jesus made himself the Son of God. What do you make of that? You've got to remember that Pilate was a pagan. And he heard the accusation, Jesus made himself the Son of God. Even though he did not have a saving knowledge of the Son of God, he would nevertheless have had a pagan understanding of pagan gods, like the people of Lystra, who, in Acts chapter 14, when the Apostle Paul healed a man who had been a cripple from his mother's womb, according to Acts chapter 14 and verse 11, when those people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices, saying, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. So pagans, they have some pagan understanding of their pagan gods. Add to that what Pilate's wife had said to him, and what was probably still very much in his thoughts, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 19, it is written that while Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him saying, have nothing to do with that, ma- that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. And not forgetting that back in chapter 18, when Pilate asked Jesus if he was a king, Jesus had said, my kingdom is not of this world. So he had all these things going on in his mind, no doubt, and he was the more afraid. When you consider all of those things, Pilate had every reason to be the more afraid. Consequently, he he sought to find out more about Jesus and he asked him where he was from. However, Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate had missed a golden opportunity to inquire further when Jesus said to him in chapter 18, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus had actually said to Pilate, I've come down to uh, declare the truth. What did Pilate say? What is truth? Let's have a look at verses 10 through to 16. Then saith Pilate unto him, Speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee, and have power to release thee? 
Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Which is absolutely true, of course. Jesus said that. He is the truth. And the fact of the matter is that the Roman governor, he was put in that position by God. Ultimately, all the leaders of the world, they're given their authority by God. And they have a duty to execute their authority in a godly manner. But ultimately, the, 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 the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord and he steers it wherever he wants to. God places people in high places. Including Pontius Pilate. So Jesus said, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Referring to the chief priests, with their trumped up charge and their charge of blasphemy, uh, blasphemy against the Son of God, for affirming that he is the Son of God. They have the greater sin. Verse 12, And from thenceforth Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend, but whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus forth and sat down in the judgment seat in a place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha, and it was the preparation of the Passover, and about the sixth hour, and he saith unto the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. Then delivered he him therefore unto them to be crucified. And they took Jesus and led him away. Whatever that fear was that Pilate was experiencing in verse 8, it was not a godly fear. It was real enough, but it wasn't a godly fear. It was not the kind of fear that brings a man to his knees at the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ as he cries out to God to be merciful to him, a sinner. When Pilate had Jesus scourged, beaten and mocked, was there even a hint of godly sorrow that worketh repentance unto salvation? Hardly. When Pilate told Jesus that he had the power to crucify or to release him, did he sound like a man who had been humbled in his heart? Did he sound like a man whose heart the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ had been revealed in? in? Hardly. Even though Pilate still wanted to release Jesus, he didn't. In fact, he bottled it. And that is because he feared men more than he feared God. That's a problem, isn't it? A big, big problem. It's a big problem in the church as well. Fearing men more than fearing God. We're not to fear men who destroy the body, but that's as much as they can do. We're to fear God who can cast body and hell 
body and soul into hell. Fear God. When those Jews said to Pilate, If thou let this man go, thou art not Caesar's friend. Whosoever maketh himself a king speaketh against Caesar. The very thought of making it an enemy of Caesar was too much for him. And so he capitulated. That was the end of it. Too much for him to bear, being an enemy of the emperor. According to verse 13, he sat down in the judgment seat and in verse 16, it is written that he delivered him therefore unto them to be crucified. All that that coward was able to do was taunt his enemies, the Jews, by saying to them, Behold your king, in verse 14. They would have hated hearing that, Behold your king. And in verse 15, he said to them, Shall I crucify your king? Hearing Jesus being referred to as their king would have infuriated those Jews who had been shouting, Crucify him. Ultimately, after already showing what a wicked man he was in the early verses there, Pilate delivered the Lord Jesus Christ to be crucified. Well, what do you make of all of this? Behold the man. When Pilate said that, there he is, there's the one who you claim to be your king, take him. But what about you? Behold the man. Who is Jesus to you? The man Christ Jesus. Is he some poor pathetic individual who was falsely accused of various things here? Or is he the man who is God, who surrendered himself to the likes of those chief priests, pilots, allowing wicked men to put their hands on him, to bind him, to beat him, to press thorns upon his head, to scourge him to the bone, and as we shall look at next time, God willing, to crucify him, nailing him to a cross. This is what you need to answer for yourself. Behold the man. Who is that man? <coughs> you are blessed if your answer to that can be, or is. He is the man who is God. And what we see in these verses here is nothing less than the incarnate Son of God being ridiculed, being mocked by his creatures by people who are no worse than any one of us in here unless you want to have varying degrees of depravity but the heart, uh, the, the Bible teaches that the heart is desperately wicked Deceitful above all things. Who can know it? That's your heart. My heart. Not just the heart of Pilate 
and his soldiers, his henchmen, each one of us here, as I say, blessed are you, if despite that, you can read these verses and know that it was your God who received that terrible treatment from those wicked men as he made his way to the cross to bear away your sins. Jesus made himself the Son of God. That was the charge that they laid against Jesus. The Son of God, which of course he is. These things, the the miracles of Jesus, what we read in the Bible, they're there so that you might believe them, that you might know that Jesus is the Son of God and that by believing you might have life, eternal life in his name. Behold your King. Things aren't good in politics, are they? If you follow the polit- what's going on politically in, in the UK at the moment, it's, it's catastrophic. Ultimately, God is in charge of all of these things. But uh, we dare not put our faith, our trust in men, the kings of this world. But there is a king who is seated in heaven above. King Jesus, the King of glory, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, highly exalted by his Father, Every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and it won't be in a mocking way. When Jesus comes again, every knee shall bow before him. Far better for each one of you here if you don't wait till then. If you bow, if you get on your belly, prostrate before the throne of God. Receive Jesus as your Saviour, your Lord. Praise him as one who is saved by the grace of God. Love him, adore him, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who loved you, who gave himself for you. Amen.